the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. And verse 30 to 32. Luke 24 verse 30. It came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. We'll read to verse 32, please. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while you opened the scriptures to us. So, what I want to teach about tonight hopefully for just about an hour so we can have a few minutes to pray is fervency in the word. Fervency in the word. Let's pray, please. Holy Spirit, as we hear your words again tonight, help our hearts to burn. Ignite our desire and our passion for the scriptures. Restore our appetite for truth. May we never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Fervency in the word. One of my loudest complaints and um, loudest lamentations in recent times if you have been following my teachings wherever I have gone to minister is the complaint of lukewarmness towards scriptures from modern believers lukewarmness towards the Bible from many professing practicing Christians I've always said it that before, and when I say before, I'm talking about 100, and 100 years ago, even 60 years ago, it was impossible to be a Christian without a strong passion for the Bible. There was nothing like a Christian who did not have a Bible or who did not like a Bible. But these days it's getting to be a norm that there are actually professing Christians who have no value for scriptures, who do not have a desire to understand the Bible, who do not value the opinion of the Bible. And it's a problem. It's a problem because really, we cannot have fervent Christianity without a fervency towards scriptures. We cannot have authentic Christianity without a passion for the Bible. If I ask you today, have you read your Bible today? Perhaps, perhaps, if you say no, you will not be ashamed. If you say, um, I just read a little bit, you will not consider that a big deal. But 50 years ago, it was almost a taboo. 
You can't be a Christian and not read the Bible daily. It's impossible. It's simply impossible. In fact, Christians don't ask, have you read your Bible today? They ask, can you share with me what you read today? Because there's a certainty that you have read it. There's nothing like you were too busy, you were tired. There's nothing like that. It was not possible. But these days, it's now a very normal thing. Where Christians don't read their Bible for three days, one week. And they are eating every day. They are watching movies. They are playing games. But to read the Bible, you hear things like I was busy. Oh, I did not have time. Oh, I slept off. Oh, I was too tired. It's a very dangerous path we are going as modern Christians. So attempt to practice Christianity without fervency towards the Bible. Many Christians are lukewarm, cold towards scriptures. Sunday school no longer exists in many churches. And study meetings such as these is not very attractive, at least not as attractive as music concerts, drama nights, and many of the things we do in church today. It's a big problem that our greatest gatherings in church meetings and conferences today are not about scriptures, are not about the Bible, and about many other things except the Bible. That for many people who are revered as ministers of the gospel, who are revered as Christian celebrities, they are not known for their love for scriptures. They are not known for their commitment to the Bible. They are known for many other things except biblical Christianity. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. So, this lukewarmness towards scriptures is something that we hope to cure tonight. If you have it in your heart, we hope that after tonight, your heart will begin to burn for the Bible. Your heart will begin to burn for the scriptures. Because, listen to me, in the beginning it was not so. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to prayer and to breaking of bread and to fellowship. To remove teaching, scripture, the Bible from Christianity is to remove fire from Christianity. To remove a major coal of fire from the Christian faith. What we read in Luke chapter 24, they said, didn't our hearts burn when he explained the scriptures? Many people understand fervency towards prayer, fervency towards service. But many people do not understand fervency in the world. Many people do not understand fervency in the world. And this is something that we must try and deal with tonight. Even as we hear the scriptures and we understand this teaching. Now just in case you are wondering how I came to a conclusion. That many believers in our generation are lukewarm towards scriptures. Let me give you a few clues. Things that I have observed. To suggest that there is a lukewarmness towards the Bible or a lukewarmness towards the Word of God in our generation. The first is that for many believers, they underrate the power of the Word of God. Many believers do not really respect the power of scriptures or the power of teaching. If somebody says this person is a powerful man of God, many times what comes to your mind is not that the person explains the Bible accurately. No. If somebody says this ministry is a powerful ministry, 
Many times what comes to the mind of the average believer is not that the ministry emphasizes the word of God. Maybe they emphasize deliverance. Maybe they will emphasize prayer. Maybe even holiness. But certainly not the Bible. The Bible is grossly underrated today. Grossly underrated. Many Christians think there are solutions in several other Christian expressions except in the scripture. So a demon is afflicting me. What is the solution? Many people don't talk about the Bible. Biblical solutions, no. I am sick in my body. What is the solution? Many people don't talk about biblical solutions. I am not fervent as a Christian. What is the solution? Many people don't talk about biblical solutions. Many Christians underrate the scriptures. In Psalm 107 verse 20, he says he sent his word. His word healed them and delivered them from their destruction. When last did you put an emphasis on deliverance by the word? Somebody's good. When you say somebody needs deliverance, what do you mean many times? What do you mean? A person should go and bathe in a river with a prophet wearing red clothes, bringing a coconut and honey and salt. When you say healing, what do you mean many times? He said his word, his word healed them. Many times, most of these things we look for are available in scriptures, but the Bible is grossly underrated. I saw another scripture that emphasizes and explains how the Bible is underrated. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul says the elders who rule well should be given double honor. The word double honor there is double their salary. He now says, especially those who rule through the word by teaching and doctrine. Let me explain. Paul is saying, if somebody deserves a high honorarium, if somebody deserves a high monetary gift, it should be the person giving to teaching and preaching the Bible. These days, a ministry can budget 20 million for music concerts and budget 20,000 for word conference because the Bible is underrated. What is there to teach? Say, we just open Bible and you're talking. <laughs> what is there? It's not difficult now. But the person who sings, ah, she came with 45 instrumentalists. 17 dancers, 15 auto technicians. Uh-uh. I know you should be at least 5 million there. But the person who just opened the Bible, he said, The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 44, it's not doing anything. Paul says, The person who labors in doctrine is worthy of double salary. The person who labors in teaching the word is the person worthy of more financial rewards. But seriously, even amongst the ministry gift, how many people bring financial rewards for teaching? See, I was blessed by your sermon, sir. I want to ask for your account details. The person did not see any vision. He did not see any dream. And you are giving him money. Uh-uh. You don't know how to use money. How can you give him money? He didn't see your past. He didn't see your future. He didn't see your present. And you are giving you are blessing him. You are celebrating his grace. What grace does he have? Not against the prophetic ministry. Any other ministry is worthy of honor. But from scripture, Paul said, those who labor in the world, who labor in doctrine, they are worthy of double salaries. 
Is that what you think? Can you really say that this is your experience? Can you say that if I'm to pass with my money, I will give it to the person who spends time in laboring over me in doctrine? Can you say that? You know the answer, ladies and gentlemen. We are lukewarm towards the word. We underrate the word. We have no value for scriptures. We do not honor teaching. It is for us just something that um, anybody can do. That's how I know that we are lukewarm towards the word. The second reason here is what James chapter 1 and verse 21 to 25 explains. Lukewarmness in the word is seen by forgetful hearing. When you see this reality that James explains here, he calls it forgetful hearing. It's something that is very dominant in our generation. Many people are seated right now hearing me as it were. <laughs> but uh, by the time we analyze, we see that most people are forgetful hearers. And it's because there's a lukewarmness towards the world. James chapter 1 verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. There are many people deceiving themselves. Who come to church, who seem to be paying attention, who seem to be listening, but by the time God gives his verdict, he says they are deceiving themselves. Why? He says they hear only, they don't do. They are lukewarm towards the word. That's a man who hears scripture, but as a man who hears preaching does not even mean his father towards the word. There are many sermons going on every Sunday morning. But by the time those same people go back to their work, go to their school, go to their streets, on Monday afternoon, you are wondering, is this what they taught you in church on Sunday? Why? Forgetful hearers. Because they are lukewarm towards the world. The impact is not sure. 1,000 churches in our streets. On Sunday morning, every loudspeaker is on. Everybody is preaching their own. Everybody with their megaphone and microphone. On Monday morning, on Friday night, the same people on the streets, we cannot recognize them. What happened? Forgetful years. Lukewarmness towards the word. The reading continues here. Verse 23, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straight away forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. I'm hearing the word, but I'm not being blessed. Forgetful hearer, that's why. The word will always work. The word will always bless you. The word has the capacity to upgrade your life. The problem is that you are a forgetful hearer because you are lukewarm towards the word. I will soon explain that subsequently. When you are lukewarm towards something, you always forget about it. So be fervent is to be zealous, passionate, fanatic about something. You cannot be fanatic about something and forget. I've told you, if you are a football fanatic, you don't forget when your team is playing. You can't forget. Because you are fanatic. Serious towards it. The reason for forgetful hearing is lukewarmness. No zeal. No fervency. That's how I know that there is a lukewarmness in our generation towards scriptures. The third reason for my 
or based on my observation here, is that there is little or no emotional connection towards the Bible. Little or no emotional connection. I'll explain to you that fervency is a heart reality. If you are going to examine fervency, the first place to check is your heart. Is there an emotional connection towards the word? You read the way people in scriptures describe their experience with the word. And you ask yourself, is it another book they are reading or the same book? I rejoice at your word as him that has found great spoil. When last did you rejoice at the word? I'm not saying because I say, now smile to your neighbor and say this after me. That's not what I'm talking about here. When last did you really rejoice? On your own accord. Nobody bullied you. Nobody encouraged you. Nobody whined you. You just rejoiced. You read a verse and you rejoiced. The same Bible that somebody said he rejoiced at reading it. Is there any emotional connectivity to your heart when you read the scriptures? Let me look at a few verses in Psalm 119 to explain this concept of emotional connectivity. 119 and verse 53. Horror has taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake your law. The word law, precept, counsel, word, as used in Psalm 119, all refer to the scriptures, to the word of God. This man here says that when I see wicked people who forsake your word, Horror takes over me. What kind of a person is this? A person who is fervent towards the world. The reason why we are indifferent towards the wickedness of the ungodly. The ungodly people break God's commandments, disregard God's word, and we still crush on them. You know why? We are not fervent towards the world. When you are fervent towards the world, when the word is broken in your presence, horror will take over your soul. You will be miserable. You will be sad. You will not laugh at comic and comedy skits that obviously disregard the world. You won't laugh. It will not be funny to you. Horror will take over your soul. You won't watch a movie where what is done is clearly against the scriptures and be entertained by it. Horror will take over your soul. <laughs> the reason why somebody can go to the studio and release a demonic sound and Christians will be dancing to it is because people are not fervent towards scriptures. You hear things that clearly violate the written word and you dance to it, you celebrate that it's... Ah, there's no fervency for the word. This man says, horror has taken over my soul because the wicked break your law. Psalm 119 and verse 136. Look at this. Emotional connectivity. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. He was not even talking about himself. He observed the wicked, observed the people, observed his brethren, and any time they do not keep the word of God, he begins to cry. Rivers of water. Tears. When last did you cry because somebody was not keeping God's word? When last? You cried when Chelsea lost to man you. We know. You cried when that movie ended in a very tragic way. We know. When last did you cry? Because somebody did not keep the word of God. Fervency towards the word. Look at it again in verse 158. 
the same concept. Emotional connectivity. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved. Why? Because they kept not thy word. <laughs> this is somebody's father is the word scriptures. For him, scripture is not just a black ink on white letter. Mm-mm. Scripture is alive. Scripture is living. Scripture is a person. He has feelings for scripture. Do you have any feelings for scriptures? Are you fervent in the world? One last point here. I know there's lukewarmness in our generation because of what is described as a choking effect in Matthew chapter 13. Choking effect. Jesus giving the parable of the seed which was to explain the operational principles of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13 said that the seed is God's word. But he explained why some seeds do not produce a hundredfold returns. In verse 7, some of these seeds fell up among thorns, and the tongue sprung up and choked them. That word choke means to suffocate. The choking effect, the suffocating effect in our generation. Many believers hear the word, receive the word, but because there is no fervency towards the word, the word is choked, the word is suffocated. It means that other influences drown out the word. In cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. When you see somebody always hearing the word, receiving the word, but is either experiencing forgetful hearing syndrome or choking effect syndrome, is because there's no fervency. The fire is what preserves the word. The word is a fervent reality, and I'll show you it is hot. However, when it lands in a lukewarm heart, in a heart that is not hot towards the world, it is choked. It is suffocated. It is crowded out. And eventually there is no fruit. Let me go ahead here. The last statement I made was that the word is a fervent reality. When the word of God is discussed in scriptures, when the word of God is discussed in ideal settings, all things being equal, it will produce a fire effect. The word of God is described, I mean, in many ways, described as water. It washes. But one of the ways you see the man, Jeremiah, described the word of God consistently is by fire. The word of God was described as fire consistently in the book of Jeremiah. Let's examine three places where you notice this. Jeremiah chapter 5. And verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14. I know you know prayer as fire. You know the Holy Spirit as fire. But do you know the word as fire? 5 and 13. And the prophets shall become wind, and the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done unto them. Verse 14, please. Wherefore thus says the Lord of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and these people wood, and it shall devour them. Many people at this time began to undergrace the word and say, the word is just an empty wind. It has no effect. So God said, okay, if that's what you think it is, I will show you the real picture of my word. 
Now what is fire? Fire that can devour. Fire that can consume. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Look at this. Then I said I will not make mention of him. This is Jeremiah speaking. Now speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shot up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. The word is supposed to be like fire in your heart. Fire in your bones. Fire in your blood. Fire in your mouth. That's the way the word is supposed to be. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29. Look at it here again. Is not my word like as fire, says the Lord, and like hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? This is what the word is supposed to be like. So the word in itself is fire. But when it lands in a lukewarm heart, it becomes neutralized. The word of God is supposed to be fire in your heart because the environment of your soul is supposed to be able to contain the word, retain the word, produce fruit from the word. The problem is not the word. The problem is your lukewarmness towards the word. Are you listening to me tonight? And as long as these things continue, it will be said like the word is just an empty, shallow wind. It has no effect in anybody's life. That's why this generation believes that there's no power in the world today. Because with a lukewarm heart, no matter how much fire comes from the world, you see that the effect is that it just cancels it out. I'd like you to examine some of the things that Jeremiah said and ask yourself, what exactly did he mean? Jeremiah 29, his word was like fire in my bones. I could not stay. What exactly did Jeremiah mean. How do I know the word is like fire in your bones? How do I know? How do you know somebody who is fervent in the word, just as Jeremiah described it? He says, I will make my word in your mouth fire. How do I know? Once again, just like we said about prayer, it's not about somebody shouting when he's preaching, like Brother Judah. That's not the idea. It's not about somebody sending fire emoji when somebody is teaching a WhatsApp class. That's not the idea. There are certain things you can look at to confirm whether the word of God is fervent in your heart and whether you are fervent towards the word of God. Let me give you about five descriptions or dimensions of that reality. Fervent towards the word. Number one, you are fervent in the word when the word becomes the governing authority over your life. That you have 27 translations of the Bible does not mean you are fervent towards the word. That you travel far and near to attend word meetings does not mean you are fervent towards the word. The first place to check is is the word the governing authority over your life. When Jeremiah said his word was like fire in my bones. What was he saying? He was saying I could not control it. Many of you are controlling the world instead of the world to control you. Are you listening to me? You are controlling the world. You take the word, you declare it, you use the word, you prophesy the word, you have done many things with the word, but what has the word done to you? You command the word, you decree the word, you declare the word. Okay, 
How many times has the word commanded you? You are always the one commanding the word, Mr. Commando. Commander. But it's the word, the governing authority over your life. Jeremiah said, I did not feel like talking anymore. I was tired of the ministry. I did not want to preach anymore. But his word was like fire in my bones. I could not contain. I could not but speak. There are many times I don't feel like preaching. There are many times I'm not in the mood to teach. But his word is like fire in my bones. I cannot but speak. <laughs> That's when you know you are fervent towards the word. There are many times that your feelings make it look like let's do something else aside from the world. But when the world is the governing authority over your life, you cannot control it. You have been controlling the world long enough. It's time for the world to control you. Is the world the governing authority over your life? When last did you cancel an entire plan, an entire schedule based on something that is written? Something that was said as the word of God. I had planned it out. Everything was fixed. But because of the word, I could not go on. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who canceled this introduction. No, canceled this wedding after introduction. Why? <laughs> because the word will not permit him. I said, you're a very brave man. He said, it was not easy, but I knew that if I continue with that relationship, I was going to be breaking the word of God. I had to just stop. How many things can you cancel because of the word? When last did you hear someone and it altered your lifestyle? I know you take notes in church. I know you say yes, sir. I know you say hallelujah. But when last did the word control you? That's what we're talking about here. People keep hearing, 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 hearing. No change of lifestyle. No change of direction. You're not fagging towards the word. You are fagging when the word begins to govern your life. You are about to take a step and the scripture passes your mind. And you say, ah, you freeze. I can't go on. Because I, had, I remember the scripture. You are about to pray for something and the scripture comes up and you say, ah, no. I can't continue. Even though it is a public place and everybody will think you are stupid. And everybody will mock and ridicule you say, no, I'm governed by the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how you know you are fervent in the world. When the world begins to control you, we control the world. And that's okay. But does the world control you? Even when you feel otherwise, even when you are frustrated, listen to me, life as a Nigerian can be frustrating. Life as a negotiant can be frustrating. Traffic in four hours on the road can be frustrating but the word constrains you people can deliberately hurt you deliberately try to stir up anger and hatred in your heart but does the word control you you are about to give her a hot dirty slap but as you raise it like this you will hurt the scripture in your soul love your enemies bless those that curse you and you said father I bless her the emotions of your heart, the thoughts began to change. <laughs> I know what it is. To plan to say something that will send somebody to depression. And as I was typing it in, the scripture popped up. Let your words be seasoned with grace that it might edify the ears. And I deleted. A narrow escape. I 
treated. <laughs> the word must control you. That's what I'm talking about. We know you hear it. We know you judge it. We know you sing it. But does it control you? Does it regulate your life? How many things have you done? And when they ask you, why did you do it? You say, because of scriptures. Because of the word. How many things have you refused to do? And when they ask you, they said, you said, because it is written that in so so chapter, so so verse. That's how you know you are fervent towards the word. Preaching the word does not mean you are fervent towards the word. Any pastor can preach. Oh yeah. And I mean, anybody can say and not do. That's what it means in James chapter 1. You can be a forgetful hearer. You hear, you don't do. Hearing is kind of easy. Doing is the real issue. Do you do? Do you do? Number two here. You are fervent in the world when it becomes the dominant expression of your lips when you are pressured in difficult times. This is a very key point. You are fervent in the world when it's the dominant expression of your mouth whenever you are pressured in difficult times. You can be lukewarm towards the world and be confessing it in easy times. Your account is very green. The land is green. You confess the word because your account is green. The land is green. When the land is red and your account is red, what will come out of your mouth? Israelites could have been claiming to be fathers towards the world as they were eating manna from heaven in the wilderness. But when they went to the promised land and saw giants, the written began to come out of their mouth. I've told you of somebody who was about to deliver and was finding it difficult. And the doctor said, Call her husband, let the husband come and help her. The husband got to the place, saw the wife, and began to slap her. Now, why is that so? Pressure will bring out the worst in you. If the worst in you come out, will it see the scriptures? Will it see the scriptures? Pressure. <laughs> we have talked about actions. But there's also the dimension of fervency by speaking when you are pressured. When you are pressured, what comes out? When you are infuriated, what comes out? When you are angry, what comes out? When you are provoked, what comes out? When things are hard and things are tough, what comes out? We know you are fervent in scriptures. If when you are pressured, the word is the dominant expression from your mouth. If you are confronted with the forces of death, what will come out? Is that what you say? Or will you say, I will not die. I shall live to declare the works of God. With long life, will he satisfy me? And show me his salvation. What will you say when you are pressured? When fear surrounds you on every side. Listen to me. Even if you are shaking, still say the word. Even if you are shaking out of fear, make sure what comes out of your mouth is the word. But that cannot happen by preparing for troubles. It can only happen, I said, it cannot happen by rehearsing for troubles, rather. It can only happen when you feed your heart so much with the word of God that every space in your heart is occupied with scriptures. Scriptures. Whenever you are pressed, scriptures come out. Scriptures come out. Are you listening to me? 
we know you are fervent when you react in pressure by expressions of scriptures. Jesus was the most troubled human being that ever lived. Whatever you think you have gone through, whatever depression and sorrow is nothing compared to those hours he spent on the cross. Nothing. Nothing. I was explaining the cross to some of my sisters the other day. It was the most gruesome way to die. The cross was terrible, not just because it brought death, but because of the way it brought death. After all the lashing on your backs and you are bleeding, you are now hung and raised up on a tree with your arms either spread across or spread vertically. So, it means that the birds of the air can come to pluck out your eyes. You cannot chase them away because your hands are nailed. If you know the pain of that thing, you will know what Jesus went through. You can't do anything. The birds of the air will come at night. They wait for, you for the nights to come. They will come and pet. Remove eyes. Remove nose. And you cannot, you cannot, you cannot even chase them away. Your hands are nailed. In that hour, Jesus still practiced the word. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Pressured! Yet what came out was the principle of scriptures. That's somebody who is the word. It's easy to claim, I'm a world champion, I'm a world shooter, I'm a world man, when everything is fine. It's easy to claim that you're a world person, you're a world person. Okay! When things begin to hit terrible temperatures, will you still be professing the word? You are fervent in scriptures when, even though you are pressured by difficult times, the expressions from your lips is the word of God. I like the way the three Hebrew children answered the king in Daniel chapter 3, I think. Oh, king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Now, they said that because the man was trying to pressure them. Trying to pressure them. You see how they increase the temperature of the fire. The furnace cannot consume a man who is fervent towards the world. Are you listening to me? The furnace is no threat to the man who is fervent in the world. No threat. Our God is actually able to save us. How do they know? They have studied scriptures. They knew because they have studied scriptures. They had seen salvation stories in scriptures. Number three here. You are fervent in scriptures when scripture is a delight that you have an appetite for and you take interest in naturally. When scripture is a delight. But his delight is in the laws of his God. And upon it he meditates night and day. Do you have a delight in scriptures? Does scripture sweet your belly or is it punishment for you? Many people read their Bible as punishment because they are not fervent towards scriptures. They are not fervent. If you are being forced to read the Bible, being forced to listen to teachings, you can say this emphatically, you are not fervent as you ought to be. When scriptures and Bible becomes a natural appetite, that's when you will not be reminded to read your Bible. Nobody reminds you to eat. Why? You have an appetite for food. You know the reason why you are reminded to read the Bible? You have no appetite for it. 
You have better for it. Well, you have a better for it. I know people who do not even eat food until they read their Bibles. It will not feel right for them. Bible first. Spiritual hunger must first be satisfied before physical hunger. You are following the scripture when you have an appetite. And you take interest naturally. These days we have to do so much theatrics and gymnastics and uh, just for people to hear the word. I was listening to a man of God say that Jesus taught unbelievers for days in the wilderness. For days in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 7, he was teaching unbelievers. But these days it's difficult to bring Christians together and teach them for three hours. If you don't do time out, basketball break, um, ludo break, let's take some refreshments. It's very difficult. Everybody will sleep on you. Ah, you'll be talking to yourself, oh pastor, oh pastor, you'll be talking to yourself. Three hours. Only preaching. No music break there. We're not going to dance. Because there's no natural appetite for it. Are you listening to me? Your fervent, when you take delight in the word naturally, nobody forces you, nobody reminds you. It becomes something you enjoy. I don't know how Christians grew up without enjoying the word. I don't understand. If I don't enjoy the word, what will I enjoy? Read Christian literature, read scriptures, listen to someone. That's how I grew as a Christian. That's all. That's all. Just heard the word again and again. When we play, we play with scripture. When we argue, we argue with scripture. When we fight, we fight over scripture. Even our fun and games was scripture revolving. We were six hours arguing. This is all the Bible says. All the Bible says. That's how we spend time with our mates. It delights to your soul. Number four. You are fervent in the word. When you are quick to receive it, quick to understand it, quick to believe it, and quick to obey it. Let's deal with it one after the other. You are fervent in the word when you are quick to receive it, quick to understand it, quick to believe it, and quick to obey it. How quick are you to receive the word? Some people have audacity as the word is being preached. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Some people's arrogance will not let them receive. As the person is preaching, they are deflecting it. That is Brother Bimpe's word. Now, no concern. You are shooting it. Hmm. I wish Sister Tunde was in this service. Receive the word now. The word is for you. Tell them, sir. What of you? They don't go tell you to. You see all of that? How quick are you to receive the word? For some people, they have to hear something 77 times before they receive it once. once. Now, how many years will you spend on the earth? So how are you going to grow? You have to say 77 times before you hear it once. If you are slow to receive the word, it means you are not fervent towards the word. 
If you are slow to understand the word, it means you are not forgetting the word. Understanding is often a fervency effect. Listen to me. If you want to learn PS4 and you don't like football, you are not passionate about football, you may not understand how to play PS4. Are you listening to me? PS4 is a game, a football game. Why many ladies find it difficult to learn the game is because they are not passionate towards the game. Football itself does not excite them. The lady who has mastered Candy Crush, who is a master of Candy Crush, she has mastered it because Candy Crush excites her. She's fervent towards it so she can master it. You don't like hearing offside, VAR, throwing, goal. Those words irritate you. You can't learn PS4. You say, teach me, teach me. It will be too slow. You'll be too slow to pick it. Understand it's a word of fervency. If you are fervent towards scripture, you understand, you understand scripture. You will say it's very clear. Very clear. Very clear. If you are passionate about it, you will study for six hours. It will look like 60 minutes. You are not fervent if you are slow to receive, if you are slow to understand. Some of the things we are teaching here, we have taught, this is like the sixth time we are teaching it, and some people still don't understand. The problem is fervency. The problem is not the teaching anointing, it is fervency. You are not fervent if you are slow to believe, to receive, to understand, and slow to believe. When you notice, you drag your feet to believe the word. The Bible said, mm, but, mm. you see that, but, mm. it's ice water to today. When you, when you are fervent, before the end of the verse, you say, amen, I believe it, that's the word, that's the word, I believe it. Moses told twelve spies, let's go and check the land. Go and check it out. Ten of them were cold towards scriptures. Two were very hot. The cold ones went, saw the land. They came back and said, ah, it's a good land, though. But there are giants there. We can't take it, the land. The two fervent ones said, ah, the same land we saw. Uh-huh. We'll take it. God is with us. Why were the other ten spies slow to believe? They were not fervent towards scriptures. Fervent towards the word. A prophetic word is given. By this time next year, a bag of rice will be sold for 5k. A man who was a, an official of the king said, Ah uh-uh, ah, even if God opened the windows of heaven. What kind of an exaggeration is that? And I said, Do you know who spoke? Do you know who just spoke? He said, Well, you go see him, but you're not going to chop him. Quick to believe means you are fervent towards the world. Beef. Look at how God responds to our word. While we are praying, He hears us. Before we call, He answers. Now that is His response to our own words of prayer. That is the same way we should respond to God's word. I was watching a video clip of Cristiano Ronaldo. Every time he approaches the goalpost, one of his teammates will already begin to celebrate. He will raise his hand and begin to say he's a goal already. Once Ronaldo see post now goal already. Before he plays the shot, the guys already say, Goal! 
That's somebody who's fathers towards Ronaldo's goal scoring skills. I know what it means. As a footballer, one day I was in a match and I was a free kick. My expertise then was free kicks. I could train 100 free kicks every day. And so that day there was a free kick. My teammates, once they had a free blow free kick, you would think I've scored already. They'd be like, say, oh, goal, goal, goal today. I was already saying, ah, I may disappoint you. Don't celebrate. When I played the free kick, it did not even come close to scoring. They were very heartbroken. They said, my nickname those days was Beckham. They said, Beckham, what did you happen? I said, no best. Farming towards the world. As the world is coming out, you are taking it. Before it lands, you have received it. When you are slow to believe, you begin to analyze it. Mm, that's how they said in 1942. It's because you are lukewarm. Lukewarmness will make you slow to believe. Jesus often scolded the believers, scolded the apostles rather, and the crowd. Oh, you slow of heart to believe. Just because they will look up. And then, quick to obey. How many minutes does it take you for you to obey the word? If I tell some people here, get up and come forward, I can know what their reaction based on how they are fathering towards my word. Some people will look around and say, mm-hmm. And they say, yes, you. When I describe your color, you will not stand up. You will not do this. Mm. You will not change face. You will not drop your Bible. Two minutes has gone. Now. One instruction, stand up and come. Two minutes has gone. You will not do this. You will not do as if your list is not tied very well. You now take seven minutes to come from there to here. As one person, if I say, stand up, come on. Even if they are not sure I'm talking to them, immediately they will fly, they will run. You see them running. What's the difference? Five and see. So what's my word? For some people, my words can do with other people. Well, we have to first of all confirm and analyze it to be sure whether we should obey it or not. Examine your relationship with God's word. How quick are you to obey it? Many people want the word of God to walk quickly over them. Pastor has spoken his words over me. He has pronounced me a, a blessed man. He has pronounced financial blessings over me. I'm expecting that by tomorrow I will see the results of the prophecy. You expect the word to work quickly on your behalf. But how quick do you respond to the word itself? You drag your feet on God's word, but expect God's word to run for you. Huh? Quick to obey. Quick to obey. Look at Luke chapter 5 concerning Peter and his fishing experience. He was a little bit slow because he was not fathering towards the word. But eventually he got it and did, it right, did the right thing. Jesus says, let down your net for a drought. He was beginning to first of all say, actually you have been doing this all night. He caught nothing. And I said, nevertheless, at your word. <laughs> if not, maybe Peter. Well, let me not brag. But the right thing to do when your creator says, drop your net. Stop thinking, I did it all night. Can you just obey? It's your creator talking here. The person who created fishes said, drop your net. And I say, I've been doing it since I've been... Ah! Be quick. Be swift. So respond to God's word. Are you listening to me? 
that's how you know fervency. So begin to mark yourself now. Are you fervent towards the word? Do you drag your feet? Some people, they give the word of God probation time. You are reading the Bible, the word of God convicts you immediately against malice. You read it though. You say, mm. I will think about it. You are, what? 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 You, what? You read the word of God that convicted you against malice. He's able to act immediately and call the person and reconcile. You say, I don't want the person to think that I am I'm, I'm desperate. The person will become proud now if I call him. Oh, your fervency is not there yet. When conviction is in, some of you are, you are under convictions and there are certain things that God has been the person you have to do, yet you are still taking your time. Like you own your life, right? Do you know how many people have tried to repent and it's too late? It's too late. Too late. You don't drag your feet on God's word. You go quickly, swiftly. That's how to be fervent. One last point here. You are fervent in the word when every aspect of your life is a reflection of scriptures. Every aspect of your life. Everything that Jesus did can be an expression or a reflection of scripture. Many times you, hear, you see him or you hear him heal the sick and you hear this phrase, he did it that it might be fulfilled. The prophecy which was said of him in Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities and by his stripes we healed. Every aspect of your life should be a reflection of God's word. That's how we know you are fervent. Let those who don't read the Bible see your life and believe the Bible. Let those who don't have a Bible watch how you behave and have an appetite for scriptures. Because your life is simply a reflection of scriptures. You are fervent. To be zealous, passionate, fanatic about the Bible such that everything about you. You see, when you see a person who is fanatic about the football club, you enter his bedroom, you see the logo of the club there. You see the color of the club there. You look at his phone, you see the color of the club there. He's a fanatic. That's how you know that you are fervent. Are we still together? Let me do one last subheading here and call it a day. How to maintain fervency in the word. How to sustain fervency in the word. Number one, accept the word as divine authority. I was explaining the concept of um, forgetful hearers some minutes ago. Anytime you forget what you hear, it is because you don't have the honor and respect for that word as you ought to. So listen, I know that many Christians respect Satan more than they respect God. I will explain. If Satan comes and tells you now, you will die tomorrow. And then, the previous morning, you read the scripture that says, you will satisfy me with long life. You will not die, you shall live. 
the average Christian will respond more to what Satan said than to what the word said. Why? They value the words of Satan more than the words of God. That one they read, they forget it. But that statement from Satan, you will die tomorrow. It will stay in their memory. Why? <laughs> because they honor that one. They honor Satan more than they honor God. Many Christians honor their dreams more than they honor God. In my dream, I was sitting in Amala and some people surrounded me. So you, you choose to honor that over the prophetic words that has gone ahead of you. Are you listening to me tonight? The reason why there is no sustenance of fervency is because your honor is little focused word. You don't see it as a big deal. Anybody who values my words will always remember my words. You'll be about to do something, you just my voice will come up in your heart. Pum, 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 because you value it. If you don't value it, you will remember something else. To sustain fervency in the word, see the word as divine authority. That's how to approach scriptures. Don't read the Bible like a book of men. Second Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Second Peter 1.21 Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If you keep seeing preaching as the voice of Brother Judah, you will not have fervency towards the world. That's why you sleep when I'm preaching. Why? You don't see it as God talking to you. You don't see it as God talking to you. The president cannot speak and you sleep. You can't. You can't sleep in the presence of the governor. Why? You value his person. You value his words. So you, even his body, you pay attention. He's the governor. <laughs> That's the problem. The problem is that there is no value. There is no honor for the person speaking. Thank you, sir. Look at it in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm not saying this so that you pay attention to me. For all I care, if you pay attention to me, if I'm preaching the word, you will take the profit. I'm not saying this so that you respect me more. I'm saying this so that the word will profit you. This is your attitude of, uh, it's just, we are just in prison. That's why you can scroll through Instagram. <laughs> why the someone is going on? <laughs> you can't get anything from the word like this. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. Excuse me, please. Yeah. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There are people who every morning go to my Facebook timeline and check what I've written. Why? They value my words as the word of God. If they don't read from me in three days, they are wondering what's happening. This is my daily bread. What's happening? Those kind of people, you think the effect of my words will be empty on them? Ah. <laughs> it can't be empty. They value it. For them, it's not just woman speaking. It's divine authority. They pay attention to it. They examine it. They check for it, they look for it 
they subscribe on their phones just to take it. Ah, if, you think, if I speak over them, you think it will have a little effect on them? It can't. It will have a tremendous effect. Because they see it as divine authority. When God commissions a man and ordains him as an oracle on his behalf, pay attention to his words. If Moses was seen as just a man, he's a man like us, a Jew like us. And actually some people started saying that. We also have Holy Spirit. Is Moses not a man like us too? We too are prophets. And God said, eh, okay, I will show you the difference. I will show, I will show you the difference. When the word of God is preached by whoever, attend to it as the word of God, not the word of man. It's not a man talking. Well, it's a man talking, but it's a man talking. But he's saying the words of God. Paul said, I wrote to you, and you did not take it as the words of man. You took it as the word of God. That's why it was effective. Same service, same preaching. One person was blessed absolutely. Another person, nothing changed. Why? One person saw it as the word of God. The other person saw it as, we're just waiting for seven o'clock. <laughs> the difference will be clear. Are you listening to me? Fervency in the word, honor the word as divine authority. It's not just Bible book. <laughs> it's not just a sermon. It's not just preaching. Peter says, nevertheless, at your word. At your word. Honor it. Value it. Esteem it. Rate it highly. Okay. Number two here. How to maintain fervency in the word. The discipline of daily hearing and daily reading. Fervency in the word is not a once and for all installation. You will have to hear it daily. Daily. You will have to read it daily. Because there are so many fire extinguishers in our generation, so many distractions in our world, you cannot sustain fervency just by what you heard last week, what you hear every Sunday, what you read once in a while. It has to be a daily supply of fire. That's the only way to keep your fire burning in the world. If you take a break, two days, three days, when you want to ignite fire again, you discover that it's so cold, you have lost appetite, you have lost interest, there is no understanding, you'll be wondering, what happened to me? One break is enough for lukewarmness to set in. You have to. Staying fit in the world, staying fervent in the world, daily. Joshua 1.8, this book of the Lord should not depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it night and day. Night and day. Twice a day is the recommendation of scriptures. Twice and twice a day. Morning and evening. Morning and evening. That's how to keep the fire burning. If not, you just discover you wake up one morning and then you have no appetite for scriptures. It's going to be by discipline. It's not by impartation. This fire here is not sustained by impartation. Make person lay hands on you. No. Go and read the Bible. If you are looking towards scriptures, you don't need a hands being laid. Go, go and read the Bible. Start reading the Bible again. Start listening to Bible teachings again. Start listening to sermons where the scriptures are explained again. Till the fire begins to burn again in your heart. There is no shortcut to it. 
discipline. All right, all right, all right. Number three. Listen to those who are fervent in the word. That's how to sustain the fire. Listen to those who are fervent in the word. The apostles heard Jesus speak scriptures and they caught fire. Somebody is fervent in the word as a preacher, not because he preaches from the Bible. Let me take my time to explain this point. Everybody preaches from the Bible, including false prophets. Are you listening to me? In unveiling his candidates, vice presidential candidates for 2030 elections, the man, Bola Ahmed Tinubu, assembled some bishops. They brought Bible. One of them, his name is Kabiru. He's not a Christian. They just rented him. He wore fake cap, wore fake regalia. They brought all of them brought Bible. That somebody is holding Bible, preaching Bible, does not mean it's fervent in the world. How do you now confirm if a preacher is fervent in the world? A preacher is fervent in the world when his preaching is pure in the sense that it attracts you towards the world and towards God. If a preaching makes you fall in love with money, it may quote scriptures, but it's not preaching fervently from the world. Every time you hear the word, you love money. But you don't love God. You don't love Jesus. You don't love the church. You don't love the Bible. But you love money. Mm. That's not The person may be quoting scriptures though. His favorite scripture may be, money answers all things. The Bible says, money answers all things. No problem. You should. The Bible said it. But if he uses it in a way that there is no attraction towards the scriptures, you don't feel like reading the Bible when it teaches. You don't feel like going back to study. And you don't have any love for God. And for his word. Mm-mm. That's not fervency in preaching. Are you listening to me? Second Corinthians chapter 2. And verse. Seventeen. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. The word of God can be corrupted. When it is preached, it is taught with an ulterior motive. Listen to me. Somebody can teach the word of God and the aim is just to collect your money. He quotes scriptures and all he's doing is to collect your money. The Bible says you must not come to him empty-handed. How can you come before your God empty-handed? You know the fear. He says it again and again and again. He reads it in 17 translations. David said, I will not give unto God what does not cost me anything. If he does not pay you, you have not given. The scripture is quoting. But the essence is to swindle you. Yeah, we don't quote scripture to give offering. You want to give, give. If I want to just, we don't even pray about the offering. Give. You want to give? No problem. No problem. Let's take an offering and begin to quote five scriptures to take one offering. I don't know. People will still give what they want to give. 
I didn't leave. For some people are that. They go and borrow a loan to sow a dangerous seed. Because somebody used scripture to swindle them. Now somebody is quoting scripture. You know, you know the effect of this thing. What happens is that when somebody is quoting scripture next time, when you have been swindled by somebody who used the scripture wrongly, you will not pay attention to scriptures. Your heart now begins to become lukewarm towards the Bible. When somebody says, let's open the Bible, say, that's what happens. Yeah. That's why you must protect your heart. When I'm in that kind of environment, I either switch off or walk away. I know. Because don't make me begin to become cold towards it. Because every time you quote scripture, it's from money. Every time. Then I begin to think that the Bible is a money book. Are you getting it? It begins to affect your psychology. It begins to change your, your thinking. Your commitment to what the scripture begins to do you. Because somebody corrupted it. For instance, issues such as generosity and giving are biblical teachings. They should be taught. One of the most difficult things for me to teach is biblical givings. Why? Because I don't want anybody to now begin to think it's all about money. So when somebody preaches seven times in a year and he says, I'm an apostle of money, God has come to you about money. Hmm. This anointing is a very powerful anointing. I don't want it. To, to preach about money, to teach about giving, God has to encourage me and say, my son, don't worry, it's the word, go ahead. Now when I'm not having towards it, God has to say, it's the word now, if the Bible says it, so teach them. Even if they don't, they just teach them, they see in the Bible. When I see somebody so eager, every time he preaches. Today's days is 7, 7, 2017. It's a prophetic calendar day. Bring seven dollars. They never collect naira, they never collect kubu. It will be dollars or pounds. Swindle people with scriptures. A prophetic calendar. <laughs> Oh, so people become very cold towards scriptures. Once they see you old Bible, they say, hmm. Do you notice this who are the bus parks at the transportation centers? I greet you in the name of Jesus. Once you see them, you know that this ones somebody cannot hear them and fall in love with the Bible. No. The first thing, shall we pray? You could see the better person. Shall we pray? Let's honor the Lord here. The presence of God is here. Shall we pray? Our uh, Father Lord, every demon sucking spirit on the road, we bind. We cover the tower with the blood of Jesus. We cover the tower with the blood of Jesus. You will think that's all. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. My brother and my sister, listen to me. You can support the gospel. Excuse me? What did you say? The gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what the gospel is? And they will stand there. They will preach for two minutes, pray for five minutes, and look for money for ten minutes. My brother, support the work of God. What is the work of God? <laughs> that kind of thing, when you are exposed to it, every time you hear preacher, pastor, you go to the dodger. One last point here. Stop exposing your minds to anti-biblical information. In movies, in music, in comedy skits, 
stop exposing your mind to anti-biblical information. And anti-biblical information is simply an information that violates God's word, violates the truth of scriptures. If somebody is singing about premarital sex, and he may not mention premarital sex, but you see from the tone, from the music video, from the lyrics of the song, it is something that the Bible has said. You are dancing to it. What you are doing is that you are training your mind to be fervent towards anti-Bible information. Once you are fervent towards anti-Bible information, you can never be fervent towards the Bible. You can never. Say, I don't even know what's wrong with me. I know what's wrong with you. You are fervent towards anti-scriptural statements. The novels you read, when you compare them with the Bible, the effect. You read a novel and then you are going to go and hug pillow. See, you know, you play Westlife. <laughs> you'll be fervent towards inordinate affections. Yeah, you'll be fervent towards it. Someone will just touch his phone like this and say, Kilo said, Sister, Sister, you're supposed to carry only good fire. Why are you doing like this? Why are you doing like this now? What happened? What have you stopped your life with? Are you listening to me? Abstain from anti-biblical information. Every anti-biblical information you expose yourself to, you train your mind to be fervent against the Bible, against the scriptures, against the word of God. The effect will be devastating. When you lose appetite for the Bible, it's because you are feeding on things that are actually contrary to the Bible. My appetite for scriptures would always be intact because there's some things I don't hear, there's some things I don't even watch, there's some things I don't see. To expose my mind to something that is opposite to scriptures. No. It's very interesting. Thank you. I'm not interested. Oh, don't go. You will Leave me alone like this. I'm boring. Yes, I want to go. Thank you. I want to be alive. That's my that's my goal. I'm trying to be alive. I'm trying to save my soul. I'm trying to save my soul. Christians are too careless. Too careless. Stand to your feet. Let's pray a few seconds here. If you have a Bible, carry it in your hands. If you don't, just hold something. If there's a Bible in this, maybe your phone. The simple prayer is, God, let your word born again in my heart. 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 Rekete bados sekete kopara badash. Rekete kandendom brandash teke kopada. Let your word born again in my heart. Rakata katala banamanash te kriste kete badabadash. Rekete kobados te gengriste nemano ferekete stus. Manta krakata dizisike dosoto bratandaramanas. The word burns, the word burns, the word burns as we open the scriptures from his foot. 
We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.